chocolate. Hey, chocolate lovers. So we're off this week. But for today's bonus episode, I'm sharing a clip from my interview with Sunita de Torre. Sunita is the CEO and founder of The Chocolate Garage and a longtime chocolate educator and judge. In this clip, Sunita shares memories of the late Mott Green, founder of the Grenada Chocolate Company. She then dives into the reality of running a tree-to-bar chocolate company and the story behind her beautiful chocolate documentaries. Just like this podcast, each film takes place on the road. My first answer to who's the most inspirational person I've met, I would say, um, is Mott Green, who was one of the founders of Grenada Chocolate Company. And I think that uh, one of the earliest brands that I knew was his brand as in terms of like branching out from Lint and Souchard and like different, you know, sort of traditional European brands. And I remember listening to these little interviews he had done and like, various sort of, um, there were some documentaries just pointing out like the really radical, um, model that he was building and his, his desires and his inspirations and, and why he had, um, started getting involved in chocolate. And so I would say really, if there's one person that inspired me to start the chocolate garage, it was Mott Green. And initially he was just sort of this person who I'd never spoken to and just knew of as a character and then eventually I ended up talking to him around the time when we were starting to do exclusive bars, well into the time that we we're doing exclusive bars. I was thinking it would be so great to have something special and exclusive that we work on with Mott. And we spoke on the phone at that point for the first time. And then I met him at the Northwest Chocolate Festival when he was, um, they were doing, they were um, filming, screening his movie, the movie that was done about him by a, a producer down in Los Angeles. The reason I'm most inspired by Mott Green, and I feel like he's such an important model in the craft chocolate industry and in this sort of new movement that is about decommodifying cacao, is because um, I think in so many ways, Mott had pushed the envelope and really insisted and was really thoughtful and thorough in the way that he tried to look at how do we do things in a way that values the human beings and that changes the way business is being done. And I feel like if we pay attention to Mott, even if you think you're doing something that's a little out of the box and a little bit like a little bit awesome and a little bit different, you just have to look at what Mott and Grenada Chocolate Company was doing to really realize that, you know, you, there's a lot more room for improvement and there's a lot more room for, 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 for really building something that is different than we've ever seen. And, and by building it, showing people what's possible and inspiring. Like, I mean, there's so many now, dozens and dozens and dozens of bean-to-bar companies in country of origin. And really, Grenada Chocolate Company was the, the first one I know of who really did it um, in a way that was um, at scale and was, you know, ex not that you have to export, but that was making enough that it made sense for them locally and they could actually um, have some impact. Did you hear of any other companies doing a similar model before that you thought didn't really work as well? And if so, why do you think they didn't work as well? Hmm. Gosh, that really makes me go back and back in time and um, thinking about what there was prior to Grenada Chocolate Company. The thing is, is that um, at that time, it was already pretty hard to find 
um, interesting chocolate from other parts of the world, unless you were in those other parts of the world and you were finding it locally, in which case, in some ways, um, I guess that speaks to, you know, how impactful the model was or how large it was, not so much how impactful, because I think you can make a fully, you know, you can have a business that makes bean to bar in country of origin and not export at all and have as much or more impact than a company that's exporting. And I think that's what we're starting to see a little bit more of now. I can't think of a company that was doing it poorly. There's lots of companies since <laughs> that aren't necessarily, you know, doing it very well or, or having a lot of struggles because it is really, really hard to, to make good chocolate and, um, and export it. Yeah, it's not just about actually making the good chocolate, but it's about being able to run a business and being able to figure out how to export a product, how to import a product, what channels to go through, knowing the right people. Yeah, growing the brand, get telling the story, getting people connected to the product once it's in that new country. I mean, in many ways, I think it's no accident and it's it's probably something that we can sort of accept as necessary that most of the companies that have done that successfully on some level in one way or another have a bridge to another to, to the industrialized world um whether it's that they're half american or half you know whatever whatever country or have like deep cultural ties to another part of the world so they're able to like bridge that it's just you know incredibly difficult for somebody who does not have an experience cultural or otherwise outside of the country they're in to really tap into a foreign market like that and, and successfully get their chocolate to market given the inequities and like imbalances in, in the world between these countries. Yeah. Uh, people just don't trust each other. Like you can't just randomly message someone on social media and have them be like, ah, yes, you seem like a legitimate human, even though we've never met. There's just, there are too many stories of people scamming each other and tricking each other online that, People don't trust each other unless they have some kind of connection, even if it's just like being from the same country and having had some of the same experiences. Yeah, I think there's that. But there's additionally just the issues of like understanding what the market is looking for and how to even package things and market them. And, you know, where where do you put a bar that is being made in like where do you put a Grenada chocolate company bar when Mott started bringing his chocolate um, in suitcases to the United States and selling it, where do you bring it? Like, how do you even begin to, you know, unless, especially back then there, you know, of course there was the internet back then, but it was, it was more rudimentary and there was not everyone was online. And so if you, you know, how do you even find the right stores and arguably like, you know, if you had a really high quality bar that was really, you know, you know, priced appropriate, priced appropriate, let's say like an expensive bar that was really high quality and you wanted to get it into the right stores and you didn't know the scene in the United States, um, even though there is social media out there and there's ways to research and figure out who's doing what, how do you figure out that the best place for you is Chocolopolis or, you know, the Chocolate Garage or Formaggio in, you know, on the East Coast? Like those things are just, these are specialty stores that you can't, if they don't sell anything online, you may not even know they have a fantastic selection of chocolate in their stores, right? Like, so it's not even the human element, like just even knowing where to begin and what's the right place and how to price it and what the packaging should look like. And then how to like do like FDA stuff, like prior prior clearance to get your product out and, and not get stuck in customs. Like there's so many things, um, obstacles 
for someone living in a cacao growing region to figure out how to get that product out that typically is just not going to be accessible to you unless you've, you know, sometimes it's a language barrier. You really have to be able to be, you know, fluent in a particular language to figure out how the heck you're going to deal with all the government regulations and stuff, right? So like there's so many obstacles there. So a lot of people think of YouTube as a social platform and you've been putting your documentaries that you've been working on for almost three years now, two years. The first one was Cuba or Nicaragua? Uh, Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. Nicaragua. So yeah, almost three years, right? I think so. I think that's right. So could you tell us a bit more about those documentaries? Sure. So, um, The documentaries are all called like The Chocolate Garage and then in Hawaii, in Cuba, in Nicaragua, wherever. So um, they're all posted on YouTube and they're basically um, my attempt to really highlight and showcase examples of beautiful projects, whether they be businesses or particular like farming operations or different ways of, of, um, you know, centralizing fermentation, et cetera, et cetera. Like I'm interested in kind of capturing those um, organizations and people and getting their ideas and thoughts and really bringing out these alternate ways, these exciting new creative ways of, of growing cacao or fermenting it or even making chocolate and building a different business model around how to make chocolate and get it to customer. And I feel like with, with business as usual, that's so rammed down our throats all the time and the real lack of creativity around how to build something that's truly different. Um, I feel like it's really important to take the models, the, the, the smaller, um, sometimes more humble models that are doing really interesting work in country of origin and showcase them and have people get to see different ways of doing things and hopefully be inspired by a different way of doing things. It comes back to my being inspired by Mott Green, you know, like he just in so many ways just radically thought out of the box and, and built something that seemed so crazy at the time. And I think that we need more of that. It feels like even in the heart of Silicon Valley, where I live in Palo Alto, it's supposed to be the place of innovation and creativity. There's not a lot of true innovation and creativity. It's like within certain constraints of exit strategies and Series A funding and, you know, return, return to investors of certain percentages. Like within that, yeah, there's some creativity, but everything gets filtered through that as a measure of success, which is like a really very narrow measure of success. And so I feel like it's so important to showcase these different ways of doing things and hopefully like just light, get some light bulbs going off in people's minds if they watch them as like, oh shit, I never thought about that. That would be really great. What a great idea. I'm inspired by that. I want to do something in my community that touches on those sort of values. So that's the idea. And I started leading trips to supplement my revenue for Chocolate Garage, which was never a great business um, in terms of financial returns. Um, and so I started leading trips to be able to make a little bit of money and bring my customers to origin and deepen their education and, and, and their knowledge around cacao and chocolate and decided to factor into that the budget for a filmmaker to come with us on all these trips and to capture the stories and put them together into little short documentaries. Mm-hmm. 